Romans chapter 8. Turn there. Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8 is what we're going to study tonight, and uh, we've already studied chapters 1 through 7, but uh, take a look here in Romans chapter 8. We're just line upon line, precept upon precept, uh, learning uh, each scripture as it stands and as it fits with other scripture. This is one way to study the Bible where you just go line upon line, just read it and stop and learn and listen and cross-reference. So we'll do all of that. Uh, and you'll understand the book of Romans, no problem. Everybody already understands the chapters one through seven, right? Yeah. It's online. All the, all the teachings are online if you've missed them. But so here we go. Romans chapter eight, verse one says this, says there is therefore now. Okay, stop there. It says, therefore, once you see a therefore, you need to stop and see what is therefore. Because it's tying, it's tying, what you're about to read is tying to something previous, so let's go get a running start. You need a running start uh, to get to this portion, all right? So running start in the book of Romans, uh, go to Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3, verse 20, it says, Therefore, by the deeds of the law, no flesh will be justified in his sight, for by the law is the knowledge of sin. Talking about the law of Moses, talking about God's commands that he gave on the mountain, talking about all the hundreds of commands he gave to the nation of Israel. He says, by the deeds of the law, no one is justified. No one's made righteous by obeying the law. If you obey all 10 commandments, you're still not called righteous. That's what he's saying. Verse 21, but now the righteousness of God apart from the law is revealed being witnessed by the law and the prophets. Now, righteousness without the law is revealed. So that's the premise of this new covenant, that we are now accepted by God, cleaned from sin, stamped as righteous, able to come into the presence of God without the, the sense of sin or guilt or inferiority. Righteousness means I can approach God and be welcomed by God. That's called righteousness. Until Christ, there was no complete righteousness. It was very limited. And the law was their master. Obey, 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 and God will put a blessing on you. But no one could, even in the law, no one could come into the presence of God freely. Now we can. Righteousness coming into the presence of God without the law has been revealed. So that's the premise of the whole book of, well, the whole new covenant, but that's what Paul is explaining in this book. Chapter four, verse 14, for if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise made of no effect because the law brings about wrath. For where there is no law, there's no transgression. Meaning because there's law, there's penalty for disobeying. Now that we've left that system of life with God, there's no more condemnation. Look at chapter 7 of Romans. Verse 4, 7, 4. Therefore, my brethren, you also have become dead to the law through the body of Christ, that you may be married to another, to him who was raised from the dead, that we should bear fruit to God. 
So, so in the law, it said that your, your spouse had to be dead before you could marry another. Now he's using that as an analogy saying you need to die to the law so that you can marry Christ. You can't have Christ and the law. You have to be dead to the law. Verse five, for when we were in the flesh, the sinful passions, which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. But now we have been delivered from the law. Having died to what we were held by so that we should serve in the newness of the spirit and not in the oldness of the letter. Now that's, that's, we've taught on this already. I just wanted to get a run and start to remind us that we are trying to leave the law for our lifestyle. Not for our morality, but for our connection to God, we leave the, the law. We're delivered from the law. We're dead to the law so that we can live with Christ. So now chapter eight, verse one, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Praise the Lord. I'm glad you shouted about that. In Christ, there is no judgment. There is condemnation means judgment. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. So if you've received Christ as your savior, there is no condemnation sitting upon you. God is not holding your sins against you any longer. If you're in Christ Jesus, no condemnation to you if you're in Christ Jesus. Isn't that wonderful? Now all believers need to get this into their soul so that you can deal with the part of you that isn't perfect. Because there's parts of us that still have shortcoming. It could be personality and character defects. It could be lifestyle decisions you haven't made properly yet. It could be what you look like in the mirror. No, I'm sorry, that's not, that's okay. You, you, no matter what you look like. In Christ, there's no judgment upon you, even though you're not perfect yet. So as the believer, you have to have a lot of faith in this scripture. So when the devil says, you're a terrible person, you shouldn't even go to church. You can say, there's no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. I don't even have to talk about my faults. I've already confessed them to God. I think I'll just go on to church. There's no judgment from the devil nor people if you're in Christ Jesus. Make sense? Now, there's another aspect of judging one another and helping one another and correcting one another. That's a whole different story. Right now, it's about you and your sins before God. You don't have to feel condemned for them. There's no condemnation if you're in Christ. Jesus was already penalized for us. He was our substitute. God's not going to penalize him and you. God's not going to put all the iniquity on him and then tell you to hold yours. All of our iniquities have been washed. All of our transgressions have been paid for. All of your shortcomings have been hung on the cross with Jesus Christ. Therefore, there is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. So you have to learn to live a condemnation-free life. Don't let the devil sit on your shoulder and make you feel guilty. Amen. Okay. Now, he does add another sentence here, another phrase. Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. That's a tough one. We're trying to free people from the guilt they live with. But then he says... It applies to those who aren't walking according to the flesh, but according to the senses. Excuse me. But according to the spirit. 
according to the flesh, living a life according to the flesh or after the flesh refers to you living a life according to your senses, your emotions, what you see, your, your natural self. If you live a life according to your natural self, you'll be dealing with condemnation. Not from God, but from yourself. Make sense? So if you want to feel this freedom from condemnation, you're going to have to live a life in the spirit. You can't live according to the flesh. You'll deal with guilt all the rest of your life. As a believer in Christ, you'll deal with guilt way too much. It'll be too heavy to bear. In Christ, there's no condemnation. So technically, you're cleaned and accepted by God, and he loves you and accepts you and, and, and forgives you and all that. But if you're going to live according to the flesh, you're going to deal with a distant sense of God. Though you could come close, you're not going to feel close because you're not walking according to the spirit. Let's talk about it for just a moment. According to the flesh would be according to the emotions and the senses, according to the fears, according to natural things, according to the natural way, and not according to the spirit. We can say it this way. Uh, living a life according to the flesh or after the flesh would mean that you're not in tune with the Spirit at all times. For those, for believers in Christ who live a life that is not in tune with the Spirit all the time, they're not going to be able to feel this no condemnation. Being in tune with the Spirit means that uh, I'm aware of Him, I care. Number one, you got to care. And this is where I say that if you're not a sincere Christian, Scripture's not for you. That Scripture's not for you if you're not sincere. If you're sincere, now you're getting into the Spirit. Since I'm sincerely, deeply uh, attentive to God. Good word. My, my daily life thinks about God. My, my actions, my thoughts, my dreams, my everything. I, I consider God in all of it. I'm in tune with the Spirit all the time. That means that I'm quickly uh, convicted if I step out of line. If I make a bad choice, instantly I know I did, and I'm honest with it. And, and I can ask for forgiveness. I can repent. I can at least be honest that I did something wrong. And I'm not oblivious, and I'm not shoving it away, and I'm not arguing against. I know exactly because I'm in tune with the Holy Spirit. Highly sensitive to the spirit with the fear of God. You have some fear of God. You have respect unto God. If you're in the spirit, you have respect unto God. You live a life that has respect unto God. If you're not going to do that, you're going to be living according to the flesh and you're going to deal with all sorts of weird guilt. Uh, maybe, maybe we can say it this way. If you're living a life according to the Spirit, you're propelled by the Holy Spirit. Your motivations come from God. And, and that happens quite often. I mean, like God doesn't have to motivate, motivate you to open the refrigerator. You need to open the refrigerator. So we're not saying that God told me to go eat or didn't tell me to go eat. We're not talking about that. But we're talking about a life that's propelled and unction that comes from the Holy Spirit. So, so my life is lived with a, with a joy-filled unction toward things. I'm connected to the Holy Spirit. I, I'm in the Spirit. I'm living a life according to the Spirit. It doesn't mean I'm floating around. 
I'm in the spirit, everyone. Doesn't mean that. It means that you're conscious of the Holy Spirit and in tune with him and committed. We could say you're fully in and fully on. If you're really walking according to the Spirit, you're fully in and fully on to God. Uh, go to 1 John 3 real, real fast. We'll just hold your place because we're coming right back. 1 John chapter 3. That's little John towards the end. 1 John chapter 3, verse 21, or verse 20. First three, first John three twenty. For if our heart condemns us, God is great. So now it's talking about this heart condemnation. If our heart condemns us, God is greater than our heart and knows all things. Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask, we receive from Him. So this is talking about you getting your prayers answered. This is why condemnation is very dangerous. Condemnation in your heart is very dangerous to you and your spiritual life. And it's one of the major reasons why Christians don't get their prayers answered. You know you can ask God and he'll give to you. You know that all things are possible with God and all things are possible to him that believes. And you know prayer works, supposed to work. One of the biggest challenges to your prayer life is condemnation. When your heart condemns you, you don't have confidence toward God. And so as a believer, you must begin to have faith and confidence in the blood of Jesus and in these scriptures that say, if you confess your sin, 1 John 1, 9, if you confess your, your sin, he is faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Amen. So the moment that you acknowledge your sin to God, you have to walk away feeling completely, absolutely exonerated, cleansed, expunged, cleaned, forgiven, stamped as acceptable, and prayers can get answered immediately. Amen. It takes faith to get there. You know, after your first sin, it's no problem. You feel, oh, okay, God will forgive me. After your hundredth, people start saying, I just don't know if God can even forgive me anymore. Well, you need to have more faith in his word than in, in, in your, your number of shortcomings. Amen. Condemnation is very dangerous to your heart, very dangerous to your faith, dangerous to your prayer life, dangerous to those around you. It's a dangerous uh, aspect of human life. As believers... You're exempt from it. There's no condemnation if you're in Christ. If you care, if you're a sincere Christian, you're walking with the Spirit, you care about God, you live a daily life with Him. I'm not saying you're perfect. I'm saying that you care deeply. You're easily convicted. You can easily repent. You can easily acknowledge. Yep. Oh, man. I'm honest with God all the time. If that's you, whoo, you can have a good prayer life. It says, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence toward God. And whatever we ask from him, we receive from him. And then it says, why? Because we keep his commandments and do those things that are pleasing in his sight. So if you could live a life of no sin, you'd have a strong prayer life. You understand? If you'll stop sinning, you'll have stronger faith. Okay? If you really live in the Spirit, you'll have much stronger faith. Because right. then your heart's not condemning you all the time. You're, you're obeying God. You're, you're uh, being moved and led by God. You're conscious of, conscious of God. And you'll have a strong faith and a strong prayer life. So y'all stop sinning. That settles it, right? You do need to stop sinning. If you sin, it's going to compete with your heart. 
Now, if you do sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, 1 John 1, 7. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. So you got forgiveness in the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. So you need great faith in the blood of Jesus. Just in case you were to ever sin, you need great faith in the blood of Jesus for the rest of your Christian existence. And verse 23 helps us kind of get through this passage a little bit better. It says, this is his commandment. So, so obey his commandments and do those things pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us. Those are two major things to emphasize. Right. When you think of, am I pleasing God? Right. Do you believe on the name of his son, Jesus Christ? Right. And are you walking in love with one another? Right. And love one another. So all of your actions and thoughts and deeds, do they fit in the love walk? That, that's all you got to judge. Just judge yourself. Am I walking in love? Is my sin, does it have anything to do with how I've treated somebody or thought of somebody? And sometimes we you know, are more conscious of other physical sins more than the love command. This is the main one you ought to be thinking on is how have I treated people? How have I thought of people? Have I been too self-seeking, too selfish, too self-ambitious? Have I lived a life this week that's all about me and neglected people? Has my attitude ruined anyone this week? Have my words harmed anyone this week? That, that's major. It's even more major than eating eight pieces of pizza. It's more major than smoking the cigarette. It's more major than a lot of things in the flesh that people are concerned with, which some you need to be. I mean, if you're an eight-piece pizza eater, you got troubles. Go back to chapter 8, Romans 8. So emphasize believing on the name in, in a big way. Like my life is standing on the name of Jesus I, I'm anchored, I'm planted, I'm glued, I'm in concrete with the name of Jesus. It's how I live my life. It's how I think. That's a big deal. Believe on the name and love one another. Okay, so let's move, let's move on to verse 2 here. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. Now that sounds pretty powerful, but what does it mean? The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. There's a law. There's a law, not the law of Moses. There's a new covenant law. There's actually five of them. This is one of them. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. It's a law. That means it governs the unseen world. That means it gives you what you're supposed to have and it orders you with how you're supposed to be. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. So what could that possibly mean? We could probably talk hours, but let's at least acknowledge that in Christ, there's some life. Jesus said, I've come that you may have life and life more abundantly. So there's a law in the spirit, in the kingdom that says you get to have abundant life. That means you get to be full of joy and peace, full of glory, full of uh, juice from heaven, 
full of the love of God, man, I can live a lot. I can be full. The law says I can have great joy today in spite of what's happened. I can have God today. I can get my prayers answered today. The law, of the, the law in this kingdom, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. I'm in Christ. I get this spirit of life. And you can take that real far. Because in the spirit, there is power. Amen. The life of Jesus, the life of God carries with it such great dominance over this world and over evil and over sin and over sickness. Amen. You can carry this pretty far. I am freed from the other law. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. Well, let's go look at the law of sin and death. What, is the, what am I freed from? That'll help me know what I have. Um, let's go look at Deuteronomy 28. Uh, take a look at the law of sin and death from the Old Testament law of Moses. We have the do's and don'ts. God gave Israel a lot of commands to do and not do on the outside. The New Testament has a lot of in the heart commands. Some outside commands as well, but in the Old Testament, it was highly visible commands. Do this, don't do that, do it on this day, don't do it on this day, wash, clean, uh, walk, don't walk, do this, do that. So the Old Testament was outward commands, ordering their lifestyle to look holy. Old Testament, Old Covenant could not make their heart clean, and that's why when Jesus ministered, he said, you're like... Uh, cleaned coffins, all shiny on the outside. Inside, you're all dried, dead bones. New covenant, I'm alive on the inside. And being alive on the inside, I don't have to fake it on the outside. I just live from the inside. Uh, okay, so Deuteronomy, that's in the Old Testament, fifth book. This is... When Moses went up to the mountain, got the Ten Commandments from God, plus hundreds of other commandments, God said, this is my new lifestyle for your nation. And he says this, verse 1, Deuteronomy 21, it shall come to pass if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you on high above all nations of the earth. All these blessings shall come on you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city. Blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall be the fruit of your... So he goes on with these blessings. Everything you touch is going to be blessed. All your finances will be blessed. Your family will be blessed. And he goes on. I'm going to skip the blessing now just so you can see the curse part. But verse 11, I'll throw that in there. The Lord will grant you plenty of goods as part of the blessing. Verse 15, but it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commands and his statutes that I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed will you be in the city. Cursed will you be in the country. Cursed shall be your basket and your name. And then he goes, list all the curse. Just kind of skim through the first word and all cursed this and cursed that and cursed when you come in. Cursing and confusing and rebuke. Make the plague cling to you. 
Verse 22, strike you with consumption, with fever, inflammation, severe burning, fever, the sore, scorching, mildew, even mildew. Black mold is in the Bible. Black mold's part of the curse. So if you find it in your house, declare with all your heart, I am freed from the law of sin and death. Uh, you won't get your reign. You'll de be defeated before your enemies. Verse the Lord will, 27, the Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors and the scab and the itch. So anything that is an itch to you is part of the curse. Okay, so this is, listen, look up here. So it gets worse. Don't worry, it gets worse. <laughs> this is God's law to the nation of Israel saying, if you obey, I'm going to bless you. And if you don't obey, I'm going to make sure you're cursed with all these terrible calamities. So the law of sin and death is if you sin, you die. And that's what this ends up with. Verse 45, moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey, so the, obey the voice of the Lord your God. So in the Old Testament, the law culminated in obey everything or you're destroyed. If you sin, you're punished. That's the law of sin and death. He ends in chapter 30. I set before you life and death. Choose life that you and your family may live. So we got this choice. Sin and death or obedience and life and blessing. That's the Old Testament. The Old Testament law of sin and death is, if you disobey, then what? You're cursed. You're punished. You experience calamity if you sin. Well, what do we read in Romans chapter 8? Go back and let's see. Romans chapter 8. And this helps us see how valuable Jesus Christ is, why it was so vital for God to send the Messiah, how wonderful it is that we have the Son of God now. It changes everything. In no way should Christians try to live like Old Testament Jews in any way. Right. Romans chapter 8, verse 2. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from what? The law, the law of sin and death. This new law of the spirit of life in Christ made me free from the Old Testament curse. Therefore, disobedience and sin does not lead to death and punishment. I'm freed from you sin, you're punished. I'm freed from you disobey, you're cursed. Do you feel free from that? Do you know you're free from that? This is a big deal that you recognize as a believer in Christ, you are freed from that Old Testament, do bad and get bad. And this is where for, for decades, hundreds of years, centuries, Christians trained their kids wrongly. If you don't watch out, God's going to get you. No, I'm freed from, mom, I'm freed from that. Don't be pulling God in on their punishment for how they haven't behaved right. If you're going to threaten them, 
If you don't stop it, the devil is going to get you. I wouldn't even do that, though, if it was my kids. No, no, no. You're protected. I got you freed from the devil. Now, for an older kid, hey, if you keep making these choices and play with the devil, you better watch out. He's going to get you. He'll eat your lunch. But for kids in the family, don't you threaten them with stuff like that. You don't threaten them with God. You don't threaten them with the devil. You just threaten them with the paddle. It's the only safe threat you can give to a child. You can try the time out, but that don't drive the foolishness out. Only the rod drives the foolishness out of kids. And so if you don't drive the foolishness out, they'll be fools. They'll be 25-year-old fools. And then you'll be looking. I'm like, what's wrong with you? I thought I raised you right. Well, you almost did. You just forgot to drive the foolishness out. That's another message. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus made me free from the law of sin and death. So now, even though I'm not perfect, I don't have to expect curse. All of those diseases, all of those torments, all of those curses don't, aren't supposed to touch you. And this is, we like to tell the story. John G. Lake used that scripture in particular when uh, he was in South Africa and they had a bubonic plague that went through. And uh, so he was in one town. He heard about it happening in the other town. So he went over there to help. And basically, Christians were going over there to help bury all the dead people that were dying from the bubonic plague. Now, they did pray for some here and there, but one of the things that happened was as he was burying all these sick people that had died from the plague, uh, the doctors there were like, you better be careful. You can't touch these bodies. And John G. Lake said, no, don't worry about us. Uh, We're covered. What do you mean you're covered? Well, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. The doctor said, you're crazy. And John G. Lake challenged him. He said, listen, let me get some of that pus that's coming out of this person's mouth. And I want you to put it under the microscope. And then I want you to put it in my hand and put it back under the microscope. And when they did that, after it had been in his hand, all of the uh, uh, bacteria was dead. The doctor said, I've never seen anything like this. How did it die? He said, that's the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Makes me free from the law of sin and death. And so there's a way for you to tap into that truth. And live free and exempt Glory. from disease. Glory. Yeah. Woo. Thank you, Lord. Life, life. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. That's, if there's ever another COVID season, why don't you use that? Listen, 2020, that's how I got through the COVID season. I quoted that to myself all the time. And I quoted uh, Romans 8:11 to myself all the time. Nope, nope, nope. Spirit of God's in me. He, you know, he raised up Christ from the dead. He quickens my flesh, quickens my flesh. Not going to be injured at all by any kind of virus or any kind of disease. That just settles it. I'm freed from that, freed from that, freed from that, freed from that. That's how you stay alive. So these scriptures can be used in your personal life. All right. So let's, um, let's say it this way as well. Uh, There's this law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus Skip up to chapter 7, verse 22. I delight in the law of God according to the inward man. All right? Now, this refers to something that's going on in the spirit. There's an inward man who's living a life uh, underneath a law of the kingdom. I'm delighting in this law of the inward man that drives outside life. My inward man is the one that's connected to the Holy Ghost. God lives in me by the inward man. It changes everything. This law of the spirit of life frees me 
from whatever, what all the things the world's dealing with. That's right. That's right. Now, if you'll catch this and just say, you know what? Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. This is going to change my life. Amen. I'm going to think differently and live differently at the house. Amen. Man, this is where Christianity comes alive. This is where you don't have to tuck your tail like the world does. Live in fear. Okay, chapter, I mean, chapter 8 here, verse 3. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh. That the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. It's kind of an odd way to say all this. Uh, but the law was weak through the flesh. And then you can go back to chapter 7, verse 5. When we were in the flesh, the sinful passions which were aroused by the law were at work in our members to bear fruit to death. Stop there and look up here. Let me explain it. <clears throat> when someone gives you a command to not do something, your flesh says, hmm, wonder if I should. Like if, you know, like when I mentioned pizza, you're thinking, I'd like to go scarf down some pizza. That's not a sin necessarily. If, if you used to be a smoker and I mentioned cigarette, oh, that's, that sounds so good. It arouses being told not to do what your flesh wants to do. It arouses your flesh to think about it for a moment. That's why we don't harp on don't do this and don't do that. Cause I know that every time we say it, they're like, oh, maybe I can. He said, I could be forgiven. The flesh is aroused when we harp on stuff. I don't want to harp on it. I don't want to even mention any other on the list because then you'll be thinking, I don't know. I wasn't thinking about doing that, but now I am. That's why you got to be careful how you train your kids and your teenagers. Teenagers especially, you don't, don't harp on it. You'll drive them toward it. We've, we've taught many youth pastors and learned this from other pastors that you got to be careful in the youth group not to harp on what not to do because it just makes the kids want to do it. Warn them with wisdom. You can command them away from things, make sure they understand, and then put a why in there so that it has, they have something to combat the desire and it doesn't look like it's going to hurt anything. Give them some why and some explanation. But that's for teenagers. Kids just, you know, because I said no. All right, so that's a whole other thing. Uh, all right. Verse four, the righteous requirement of the law should be fulfilled in us. There is a righteous requirement that the law of Moses gave. The righteous requirement, we're going to fulfill that. What does that mean? That means the morality side of the law I'm still going to adhere to all of the righteous requirement that has to do with holiness in the spirit. I'm called to, and I'm going to fulfill it. Amen. Now that I'm born again and saved, I can obey God. I can live upright with God without having any of those laws. I'm going to live according to the law of God after the inward man. I'm going to live according to my spirit man who knows God. I'm going to honor God with my life. I'm going to live a life of holiness, not because I have a list of things to look holy with 
That's Old Testament, had a whole list of things, how they were supposed to live a lifestyle. But if I'm saved and born again, I'm living according to this law. All right. So the righteous requirement of the law is still fulfilled in Christians. I'm not exempt from thou shalt not murder. Amen. Aren't you glad? And, and, and I'll, just make, I'll just list a couple. So thou shalt not murder is still a command, but it's actually uh, got a, an extra parameter right. that thou shalt not hate your brother without a cause. If you hate, then you're called a murderer. You're, you're considered like murder's bad if I killed somebody, but hate in the new covenant is just as bad. Amen. To hate That's somebody right. is just as bad as murder. That's, right. That's what Jesus said. Adultery in the Old Testament is bad, sin. In the New Testament, if you lust after someone else's wife or husband, equally as bad as having done it. Now, the natural man says, oh, I don't believe that. You know, it's way worse to do it. No, no. In God's eyes, it's, it's harder. Amen. He's holy. That's it. But because I'm living after the inward man and the new law... I'm going to adhere to both of those. I have, I'm a new creature on the inside. I'm a new person on the inside. I'm filled with God. And so therefore, I can avoid hating and lusting and all the, the other things that come from the heart. It all starts in the heart. Now that you have a new heart, you can fulfill the righteous requirement of the law. Okay, verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it's not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. All right, stop there, look up here. That means you can't be a flesh Christian. Can't live a life in the flesh. Can't live a life in the flesh if you want to please God. Can't be a carnal Christian if you want to please God. You ever heard somebody say, well, I guess I'm just being too carnal. Yeah, you're not pleasing God. That's true. It's not a badge of honor. I'm just a carnal Christian. No. To be carnally minded is death. If you're going to be a carnal Christian, you're going to experience death. You're not going to have life and peace. Life and peace comes when you're spiritually minded. To be carnally minded is death. And, you know, I've done this before, but, you know, the word carn comes from, it's the word meat in the, in the Greek, like carnivore. You know what a carnivore is? Everybody learned that in school, what a carnivore is? You have a herbivore. That's like the brontosaurus dinosaur. And the carnivore, the T-Rex. The velociraptors, those are the carnivores. That's the only analogy I have from elementary school. It's like... Carnivore, this type of dinosaur, herbivore. The problem is now you got now you got a whole bunch of people who want to be just herbivores. Like, okay, well, have fun. All right. So, carn means meat eater. Carn meat. Carnivore be meat eater. Carnally minded would be a meat head. Don't don't be a meat head. Be spiritually minded. Don't be a meathead. 
Some of you forgot that one, didn't you? Uh, okay, notice how your enmity with God, if you're, the carnal mind is enmity against God, hostile, unfriendly, enemy. If you're going to be carnally minded and not spiritually minded, you, you're enemy to God. Uh, let's go see some corroborating scriptures. First John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Verse 15, 1 John 2, 15. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. So as a believer, when you read this for the first time or the 50th time, you should be thinking, wait a second, I need to be doing the will of God and not liking the world so much. Lots of good stuff in the world, especially in the United States. Now around the world, there's more good things all over the place. Uh, now you go all around the world, every single person, almost in every single third world country, undeveloped country, they all got cell phones. There's a way to love the world from afar. Love not the things of the world or the flesh, because those are enmity to God. The love of the Father is not in you if you love the world so much. Make your decisions based on the love of the Father. In the spirit, according to the spirit, not according to the flesh and according to the world. Be very careful with your ambitions in life. How worldly are they? And uh, one of the biggest attributes of worldliness is the lust of money. The desire for more money is a huge sign of worldliness. Maybe we should just end right there. <laughs> but let's get some scripture and then we'll try to close here. Colossians chapter 3. Colossians 3. <clears throat> Verse 1. If you then were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God, set your mind on, on things above, or set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. Now, this, these, these statements scripture, in Scripture, they separate the, the real spiritual Christians from the carnal ones. The ones who are walking according to the Spirit versus walking according to the flesh. This is the big separator. It's how worldly are you? How into the world's stuff are you? How much attention, how much desire, how much dreaming, how much enjoying of the world are you doing versus how much enjoy, enjoying of the kingdom of God are you doing? Praise the Lord.
let me just give you a, a kind of a summary of the, of the flesh walk. Uh, desires and attention need to be in the spirit, not in the flesh. The way you handle money needs to be in the spirit, not fleshy. You, you can't serve God and mammon. Remember that? You can't serve God and riches and money and dreams of wealth. That's why you can't overwork to be rich. You can't overemphasize your career. You'll be serving mammon more than God. You can only serve one. Either you'll love the one and hate the other, or hate the one and love the other. If you're too into money, you'll hate coming to church. I said, if you're too into money, listen, there's Christians out there right now. They're too into money. Church is a bother. Can't be bothered with that. I got big things. This is one of those fun messages. This is a very exciting message. I'm just trying to inform your face. This is a very exciting message. So that you start ordering your life toward the things of God in the spirit. You'll, you'll have a great, greater life if you'll do it. We could say uh, things of the flesh, you'll find them in religious style worship. Things of the flesh are found, I feel good because I lit a candle. Because I did something on the outside. That's fleshy. Those that actually worship God, the true worshipers, worship in spirit and truth. It's not about what you're watching me do. Spirit and truth is highly invisible. Because only God sees and knows exactly what your heart's doing. You can be the best kneeler in church. means nothing compared to what's happening in your heart. So don't, don't expect people to need to see you do something. Matter of fact, if you find yourself watching somebody worship, uh, both of you are teetering on flesh style Number four, your emotions and your senses cannot be your leader. If you walk according to the Spirit, your emotions and your uh, senses cannot be your guide. You can't be overly emotional. You can't get too elated when a good thing happens, and you can't get down too far when a bad thing happens. I'm the same. You're just the same. Yeah, glory to God. Bad thing happens? Eh. Glory to God. Cares and burdens, eh, just cast them off. Just, I'm just happy. Always happy. Not, not just at the zero line. I'm talking about living at the, at the 10 mark. Live at the top. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Everything's wonderful. Anything bad? Eh, no problem. Cast it off. Bad thing comes, I rebuke that. God will recover me, no problem. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. You don't want to be too low. You don't want to get all too elated. Because then when you're not elated, you feel like you've lost. Your lifestyle gives evidence of whether you're in the flesh or the spirit. If you're a a six-piece pizza eater, just eat four next time. See if you can handle it. See if your spirit man really controls this life or if your flesh controls it. You like pie? See if you can eat three bites and be done. 
If you're a, if you're a coffee drinker, I have no advice. If you're a coffee drinker, I have no advice for you. If you're, a, if you're a whole pizza eater or a whole pie eater, you can't have coffee <laughs> with cream and sugar. You can't have coffee with cream and sugar. You, know, you got to have a limit of something. The point is make sure you, your, your spirit dominates you. Make sure your spirit gets to dominate your flesh. Your, spirit, your, your flesh is supposed to be a slave to your spirit. Okay? Your flesh should never get to decide if you're going to do the holy thing. Your flesh is always going to say, you don't need to pray today. You don't need to read your Bible today. We could do something else. Your flesh will never want to go on one of the outreaches that we do. Never. Your flesh says, you're not called to that. Let somebody else do it. Your spirit's like, no, that's not true. Let me go. <laughs> Praise the Lord. All right. We'll end with that. There's more, but we'll have to wait. Everybody got something out of it? Yes. Praise the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. We're grateful for your word, God. Thank you, Lord. Thanks for the blood of Jesus. Thanks for cleansing us of all sin, making us righteous. We thank you for this new law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. Thank you for it, God. We thank you for it, God. I'm freed from the law of sin and death. That means I'm freed from the curse. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Freed from the curse. Freed from that law. Thank you, Lord Jesus. They were freed from condemnation. Everybody say it out loud. Say, there is no condemnation toward me because I'm in Christ Jesus. I don't feel guilty. I'm not guilty before God. I'm clean. Clean before God. Because of Jesus Christ. I'm clean, clean, clean. All my sins are forgiven. I'm washed clean. Thanks, God. Now I'm going to live uprightly towards you. Now I will fulfill that righteousness. Thanks, God. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you for joining Pastors Chaz and Joni today from Houston Faith Church. If you're looking for a good home church in Houston, Texas, we'd like to invite you to be our guest anytime. What you'll find is that Houston Faith Church is highly committed to the Word of God, the love of God, and the Spirit-filled life and ministry that Jesus expects. We know that everyone wants to make a difference in this life, and that the Great Commission of the Lord Jesus Christ is the main thing for all of us. You'll find your purpose here and grow strong in faith at Houston Faith Church. Find more faith-building resources on our YouTube channel or subscribe to our free audio podcast. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. See you soon.